you are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. there's something good going to happen here. There's going to be this, this revival here in this church. It's coming. Pastor Paul was saying this morning in prayer that, you know, the point of this whole thing that we do is to make disciples. And as I was preparing for this, this word this morning, um, during the week, I've been praying, God, let this be a word that can be applied in somebody's life. Let it be applied. And as you know, I was saying, God, give me fresh manna. I want fresh manna to give to the church. And you know, God spoke to me and said, I'll only give you fresh manna if they've eaten the old manna. Sometimes we're looking for fresh manna, but we haven't applied the old manna yet. You know, when the Israelites uh, got manna from heaven, they didn't just look at it and go, wow, look at that amazing manna. They ate it and it sustained them and they grew. The kids grew up on manna. We don't want to be a church of believers that just grows in knowledge. Because if you don't apply the word of God, if you don't eat the word of God and apply it in your life, you will not mature, you will not grow. You will just become spiritually puffed up. And I, and we don't want to be that church, do we? So when somebody brings a word, I'm not saying this is one of these words, but if somebody brings a word and you go, oh, yeah, well, you know, I've heard that before. Eat it and apply it. And then God will change the character of your life. So I hope this morning that I bring something of worth to you. And that kind of leads nicely, segues into the topic of what this morning is, and it's all about worth. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to title this message, You Are Worth It. L'Oreal, um, L'Oreal in the 1960s started one of, one of the best advertising campaigns, I believe, because I'm an advertising person. <clears throat> and it's been successful because they still use the same campaign today. And I know the girls and the women know it goes something like this. Loria. Because you're worth it. <laughs> because you're worth it. And you know, it's so successful because what it does, it does two things. It builds up the self-worth of people, the consumer. But at the same time, it tells you that if you are so worthy, then you have to have a worthy product. And so it sells products. But this whole idea of worth in people is quite interesting. Because we all know about it, but very often, mostly, we speak about self-worth in a negative term. We're always talking about low self-worth. Or somebody is too confident, over-self-worthy. Mm. 
And today, you know, I know that it's, uh, it's probably, you know, I don't know whether it's more prevalent or whether it's more apparent because of this, the tools that we use, the life tools like social media or, or, you know, movies we watch. But I do believe that today there's a trend of growing low self-esteem, low self-worth, especially amongst our young people. And I don't want to discount you know, there may be somebody here that has low self-worth, and I don't want to discount that. I, I acknowledge that it's real. I acknowledge that, that it's great pain for people that feel it. But I also want to say that, that worthiness and self-worth has a problem in this, in that it's always internal looking. Yes. We're always seeking something inside of us. If you have a high self-worth, more than likely, you're going to have some of these sort of characteristics. You're going to overestimate your ability. You're going to become puffed up with pride. You're going to be hard to teach. You're going to have a sense of entitlement and be very self-absorbed. And most importantly, you will not be able to have uh, concern for people outside of you. If you have a low self-worth, worth, you're constantly critical about yourself. You're, you're constantly beating yourself up. Um, you, you, you don't feel like you have a hope, you don't feel like you have a purpose, you don't feel like you have anything in your life, and you, you equally are in the same place because you're constantly looking at yourself, you have no concern for people outside of you. But it seems to me that because we don't speak about healthy self-worth that much, it's because it's a very, very difficult thing to do. To constantly be in a place of self-healthy worth, it's almost like, I, I feel it's like, it's like the Old Testament laws that the people were always trying to, to, to make right for their righteousness so that they could go to heaven, but it was impossible to keep. Marty. <laughs> and maybe that's because we're looking at worth from the wrong perspective. How do we give worth to people? Have you ever thought about this? How do we give worth to people? Mostly, we find that we give worth to people when they die. Right? That's when we really give worth to people when they die. But uh, in terms of uh, a value that we give worth to people when they die, it typically happens when somebody dies from an accident, say, you know, let's just say a business uh, a, a window fell on somebody's head and killed them or a terrorist act and the government was responsible for it and it brings the attorneys together you have the the public defender and the the self you know the defender uh, of of the, of the state and they basically sit there and try and work out who is wrong and who is right and eventually normally the public defender will start to win and the, and the self-attorney will start going, we better, we better offer something. And they will come and offer a sum of money, right? Maybe it's a million dollars or 500,000. And they will come and they will say, we're going to give you a million dollars. You are so lucky, so lucky. Million dollars. If you better take it now because you might lose it all. That's the way it works because it's a business. But they forget about the person who really counts, the person who's lost somebody. Let me ask you something. If somebody offered you 20 million, would you give your child up for that? 100 million, would you give them up for that? You would not give up loved ones. You would not give up loved ones. Somebody gave somebody up there. Is that what happened? <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, well, this is true. This is true. 
It's fun. The point is that people who love people, we cannot put a price on people. It is priceless. We have no value. There's no amount of money that anybody would give to lose one of their loved ones. A uh, Presbyterian missionary uh, in Germany had a clinic for handicapped children. And a wealthy businessman who had been sponsoring the clinic came one day to find out where his money was going. And he had a look around and he said, these are very pathetic children. And he asked the missionary, what ratio of cures do you get? How many, how many of these kids go back to a normal life? And the missionary very proudly said, one in a hundred. And he said, one in a hundred? That's not worth it. That's not worth my money. And the missionary said to him, yes, it is. If that was one of your child's children, it wouldn't be worth it. This is the perspective of worth from people. What do you think God's perspective of worth is? towards people now I can give you some scriptures we, we know them so well for God so loved the world that he put his one and only son on the cross to die for you so that you will not perish and that you will have eternal life what about this one Katie Katie referenced it before too. Matthew six twenty six. look at the birds of the air they do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much more valuable than they are are you not much, have much more worth than the birds of the air? And yet they are completely fed and looked after. This morning I want to look at probably the least expected piece of scripture that you would think on worth. But I believe it's one that speaks volumes into people's lives. Because we, we hear these normal scriptures and we've got so used to them that we turn off from them. And we forget that God is trying to speak worth into our lives. Can you turn with me, please, to Ezekiel 43? We're going to go from Ezekiel 43, 5 to 7, and we're going to go in two parts. We're going from 5 to 7, and then we're going to jump afterwards to 10 to 11. Um, Marty or somebody, do you mind giving me some water, please, if that's okay? Ezekiel 43, 5 to 7. Let me read this for you. The Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Then I heard him speaking to me from the temple, while a man stood beside me, and he said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne, and a place of the soles of my feet, where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. I said just now that we are looking from the wrong perspective. I also think that we look from, for worth from in the wrong places. If you Google worth, self-worth, you will find a couple of things, and I've picked up seven of them, which are kind of constant with what it says, how to get a healthy self-worth. It says this, identify and challenge your negative beliefs. Identify the positive about yourself. Build positive relationships and avoid negative ones. Give yourself a break, Kit Kat. 
become more assertive and learn to say no, improve your physical health, and take on challenges. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with these things, okay? These things are good and they're healthy things to take on in your life. But what I am saying is that we were made in the image of God, not in the image of man. And just as, thank you so much, just as we, we know that you know, when somebody has not found Christ, we say that they have a God-shaped hole in their heart, we know that when it comes to worth, it's the heart that is missing something because we are made in the image of God. You see, it's the heart that transforms the mind, that conforms the mind. If you want to, com- to, to have your mind renewed, you have to begin with the heart. And it's only God that can do that. When we take on man-made stuff, yes, we can train our brains and we can, we can learn to live with things. But the problem with it is that we're always pitching our self-worth against people. We're always looking at people and saying, how do they see me? And there's always problems with that because there's some people that will not see you the way you want to be seen. And so you can be up and down. Up. Remember I said it's constantly difficult to have a, a good self-worth because we're always looking to see how people show us whether we are worth it or not. But the Word of God says, The Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you know you are the temple of God? Don't you know that you are the temple of God? Why does he say, don't you know? He says, don't you know, because you keep on forgetting. Don't you know that you are the temple of God? For true worth can only be found in the one who created you. You are the temple of God. Then I heard him speaking to me from the temple while a man stood beside me. And he said to me, son of man, this is the place of my throne. Don't you know that God has chosen you a brick that was lying on the floor doing nothing, a common brick or a common brick in a wall and said, you will be my temple. You are my temple. Not only are you my temple, but I will build my throne room in you. Not only will I build my throne room in you, but I will choose you as the place that I rest the soles of my feet. I will lay my feet up in you. Whenever God rests, He says something. What did God say on the seventh day after creation? And He said... It is good. When God is resting, it is good. Now that's real worth. But we keep on forgetting it. We're going to jump now to Ezekiel 8 to 11. And I have to confess, there's times when I preach where I'm, you know, I'm going through scripture. Maybe other people, other preachers will say this too. And, and, you, and, I'm, and I'm, well, this is good scripture. This is good, you know, and I can feel, I can feel, you know, God's giving me stuff. And then suddenly the next part of the scripture is like, oh, I don't know if I should bring that part. 
That part's going to just bring it all down. And we're going to go crumbling down. I don't know if we should bring it. But God, you know, I feel like this is, what, this is what the Lord says. If I bring the good parts to you and I don't bring the other parts to you, you will never have the good parts. Because the, the thing works in its completeness. So this piece of scripture, when you read it with me, you might be going, what is this? What's going on? You know, what, what's the relevance? And, and we'll go through it. Let's, let's, let's read it together. Holy Spirit, speak to your people this morning. Speak to your people this morning. Ezekiel 8 to 11. The people of Israel will never again defile my holy name, neither they nor the kings, by their prostitution and the funeral offerings of their kings at their death. When they place their threshold next to my threshold and their doorposts next to my doorpost, with only a wall between me and them, they defiled my holy name by their detestable practices. So I destroyed them in my anger. Now let them put away from me their prostitution and their funeral offerings for their kings and I will live among them forever. Son of man, describe the temple to the house of Israel that they may be ashamed of their iniquities and let them measure the pattern. And if they are ashamed of all that they have done, make known to them the design of the temple and its arrangement, its exits and its entrances, its entire design and its, all its ordinances, all its forms and its laws. Write down in their sight so that they may keep its whole design and all the ordinances and perform them. This is the law of the temple. All the surrounding area on top of the mountain will be most holy. Such is the law of the temple. There's another word alongside worth, which is called worthy. And sometimes we get a bit confused between the two. You know, we think maybe they mean the same thing, but they actually don't mean the same thing at all. Although they are joined at the hip. The word worthy means deserved. Or deservable, if that's a word. If I say, God, you are so worthy, what I'm saying is, you deserve my praises, for you are so good. Likewise, if somebody is, 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 is not trustworthy, what I'm saying is, you do not deserve my trust, because you have shown to me that you cannot be trusted. But the word worth is a totally different meaning. The word worth means value. If you have worth, then you have value. But just because they are different words, very often what actually happens is we, we, we feel like we're undeserved and we're not worthy. And so what it actually does is it affects our worth in our own eyes. So we have a low self-worth because we feel like we are undeserved of, what, of what's happening. If I had to take a $100 note and I said to you, what is the value of this $100 note? You would say $100, right? Some of the smart people are confused. <laughs> you say, say, it's very valuable. No, it's, it's, its value is $100, right? But if I crunch that $100 up and I make it look unworthy to you and I tear it in half, what is its worth? still a hundred dollars even though it may look unworthy its worth is still a hundred dollars so even though 
like I might say to somebody, one of my children, for instance, like if, if they keep on lying to me and something, and I say, you are not worthy of my trust, does that mean that they have no worth for me? I would put my life on the line for them, but they still may not be worthy. Isn't this the point of the gospel? Aren't we broken people? Aren't we, we are not worthy of Christ. We are not worthy. But God's great worth over us has shifted and changed that and, may, and, and God's grace has come through to rescue us from our unworthiness. Perhaps no composer has captured the musical heart and soul of America as did Irvin Berlin. In addition to familiar favorites as God Bless America, <clears throat> Easter Parade and I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas. I know you all know that one which still ranks as the all-time best-selling musical scores. In an interview with San Diego Union, Don Freeman asked him, is there any question you had never been asked that you would like someone to ask you? And he said, well, yes, there is one. It would be this. What do you think of the many songs you've written that didn't become hits? And my reply would be that I still think they are wonderful. God, too, has an unshakable delight in what and whom he has made. He thinks each of his children is wonderful, and whether they are hit in the eyes of others or not, he will always think they are wonderful. We will only ever find complete self-worth when our focus is only on he who is worthy. I heard this wonderful uh, description or explanation about humility. You know, we, we often, you know, the word of God tells us to humble ourselves. And I've heard, I've heard things like I must become less and God must become greater. I want to say I, I don't really buy into that. This is what I buy into. Humility is when you think of yourself humility is not when you think less of yourself humility is when you think of yourself less there's a big difference in that what it's saying is the more I take the focus of myself and I put it on God the more humble I become and the more my worth is established I don't believe that we should be looking at our own self-worth I believe it's, a not, it's not even a thing that we should be focused on. When we are focused on God, we don't need to focus on our own self-worth. Yeah. The Word of God says, Son of Man, describe the temple to the house. Sorry, I, I, let me just take a step back. I just wanted to go through that scripture. I should have done this, and uh, I think I lost a lot of you. Hey, God talks about some things here. He talks about uh, prostitution, and he talks about how you've destroyed my temple. What he's referring to there is that the Israelites were chasing after other gods. He wasn't talking about actual prostitution. He was, you prostitute yourself. I am the one true God, and yet you are following other people's gods, and you are raising them as idols. What we do today can be very similar. We can make idols wherever, but mostly we make idols of ourselves. 
We don't even realize. The Word of God says here that you made your threshing floor next to my floor. You put your doorpost right next to my doorpost. What he is saying is that you give me lip service. You make, you make out as if you're in my temple, but you're not. You're in your own temple, right next to my temple. You're sitting there on your own throne thinking that you have it all, but you don't. You see, we're talking about the temple of God. I want you to just remember, you are the temple of God. You are the temple. You can be a Christian, but you've created your own temple. And see, we, we, we have to get this right. And then he goes on to say that, that you can only face, you can only get your true self-worth if you face your iniquities. If you look at your temple and are ashamed of what you are and what you're doing, that's the only way, the only way you can do that and get back into the right sort of temple, the framework of the right temple is by facing. Because if you don't, what, what we're doing is we, we run from the sin. We never want to look at the sin that's behind us. We're always going forward, so we carry on sinning. We carry on thinking that we're doing it. But God's saying, turn around and face your iniquities. And if you are ashamed, then I will dwell with you forever. You see, there's a pattern and a design for right living. There's a design for what, what it means to be the temple of God. The Apostle Paul says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the member of Christ and make them a member of a prostitute? Never. Or do you, know, do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? As it is written, the two will become one flesh. You know, we often think of that in terms of, you know, marrying somebody else and making sure that they're, they're linked. But when you, when you are worshipping yourself or worshipping other gods, you become one flesh with that. You're no longer one flesh or one spirit with God. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one in spirit with them. Flee from sexual morality. Why? Because every other sin is a, the person commits is outside the body, but sexual immorality is inside the body. It's inside the temple. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And all of this begins with placing our worth on our Lord and Savior. The word at the bottom, at the end of that scripture says, this is the law of the temple. All the surrounding area on the top of the mountain will be most holy. Such is the law of the temple. Remember, we're talking about our temple. What is God saying? Look up. Look up. The law of the temple is that the most top part is holy. When you're looking outward to see what people think, or you're looking inward to reflect on your own self-worth, you've missed it. God says, look up. This is the law of the temple of God. This is the framework and the design that God has 
has made for us. It says, you, you, he showed them the design and the pattern, the entrances and the exits. What comes in that is holy will go out that's holy. What comes in that is not good is going to come out that's not good. We are the temple of God. L'Oreal says, because you're worth it. God says, you may not always be worthy, but you're always worth it. Remember, when you have overwhelming feelings of insecurity or low self-worth, God considered you worth it to hang on a cross for you. God considered you worth it to rub out and forget every sin you have made and every sin you will make in the future. God considered you worth it when others did not. God considered you worth it to make you his throne room and rest place for his feet. You are worth it. Amen. Thank you for joining Life City Church. And we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.